Hey guys, welcome to this week's Money and Investing Show. As part of our foundation series, this week we are looking at the impact of time. Is it an ally or is it your nemesis? How can you get it working for you? Plenty of notes to take, but more important than taking notes, make sure you take plenty of action. Hey guys, welcome to this week's Money and Investing Show with me, your host, Andrew Baxter, and as always, my offsider and co-host, Mitch Laurential. Pleasure to be here with this time with you, AB, which funnily enough is actually the topic of discussion today. Once said by the great man of Gordon Gecko, time is money. We're going to talk about time, value of money, compounding, time being an ally, when to start, how to start, everything in between. All good stuff, and I think this marks another important addition to our foundation series for people that are starting on that journey into learning how to manage their money and accumulate wealth. And time is money, that's right. No time for lunch or lunches for wimps, I think was another quote from uh, from that particular movie. And I know it's such an overused cliche that time is money, and, and, and people sometimes get the wrong perception of that. You know, let's be very, very clear on this. Money can't buy happiness, but it can help you buy your time back, and then you get to choose to spend your time doing things that make you happy. So indirectly, it does have an ability and direct correlation uh, with your happiness level. So very, very important to understand that you have to have the ability to buy your time back. And I guess the whole notion of investing, especially for our our younger listeners out there, AB, getting started and getting started early in the right way can then set you up where after a certain amount of time, you'll have much, much more time available to you, right? Mm. Delayed gratification, which is a tricky sell for a lot of people in this world of instant gratification, but you're taking time to get there and getting uh, exactly what it is you want and being able to get it on your terms, I suppose, without an arm, oh, sorry, without looking over your shoulder at the credit card bill that's coming in is is crucial. So lots of different ways of exploring money. Maybe we'll look at, uh, as you say, time value, the opportunity cost, inflation, the impact that has, and also, yeah, getting started because the quicker you get started, the quicker you get it done. Damn right. So let's jump into that in that case, AB. The time value of money, it's an important concept for our listeners to understand here. It it arguably would explain exactly why time as such is so important. So can we have a a rundown on what the time value of money is? Yeah, this is a tricky one. Uh, You know, if you've got $100 now and you've got $100 in a year's time, you say, well, look, I've got a hundred bucks. It's the same thing, but it actually isn't because if you took a hundred dollars today and you're able to invest it uh, and do something with it to get a return on that money, that hundred dollars today is worth more to you in the future based on the return that you've earned on that money. So let's give you an example. If you if you had ten thousand dollars and the yearly return on your money was say four and a half percent, ten thousand dollars today would be worth $10,450 in a year's time. That 450 bucks of gain based on the 4.5% return would mean dollar today's worth 10450 in the future. In other words, the future value of money has to be more than what it's worth today, given the potential return that you can generate on it. And it's an extremely important concept to get across to people. So just to, to stop you there and flip that over, so money today is worth less tomorrow. And that's on the basis that we're dealing with inflation and right now, hyperinflation. Well, it, it, just parking inflation to the side, just based on pure return on that money, based on the assumption that you are able to earn a return on that money. You know, if you keep it in a jam jar next to your bed, then it's not going to accumulate too much unless, of course, you've listened to our pocket money uh, episode and hopefully <laughs> your parents have matched that for you at the end of the year. Uh, the reality is that money, if it's put to work, and and, and the whole philosophy around teaching people to manage money is that it's capitalism. And any form of capitalism and the capital you work with needs to be worked hard to spin off a return. So keeping it in the bank for the year, the bank interest that you're going to earn, say it was 4.5% 
on 10 grand, there's your $450 of interest. If you had an investment in the stock market and you picked up a dividend through the year, that return, uh, that the money you had would have earned a return over that period of time. So yeah, money in the future, the dollar value of it needs to be higher in the future to reflect what it's worth today. Now, if you add an in inflation into that, where you know a dollar today is discounted by an even bigger amount, so let's say round the numbers up, and let's say you know inflation is at ten percent, that ten thousand dollars that you own today, yes, you're still going to have ten thousand dollars in your bank account, or plus the interest you've earned, of course, but what you can buy with that is much much less in the future because prices have moved higher. Decreased buying power, right? So $10,000 today, taking into account inflation at 10%, would be $9,000 in a year's time. So you have to get that number in the future higher, and the way to do that is to invest the time value of money. Very, very tricky concept to explain to people that money today, um, money in the future has to be worth more than it is today in order for you to- I remember to the grueling uni assignments, the time value of money, one of my first subjects in actual fact. Indeed, well, at least you got to use a calculator. We weren't allowed to use that in my, uh, my early days. Abacus back then, of course. Very nice, very <laughs> nice. So in terms of when we deal with um, the, the notion of money needing to be worth more AB in the future and inflation, that kind of thing, that then lends itself to the conversation of building up a return that's compounding in mm. order to do that and to achieve that. Talk to us about what that looks like. Okay, so if we've worked on plank one in the deck is that money in the future needs to be worth more than today to give you equivalent buying power, interest being the most basic component of that. $10,000 invested, 4.5% at the end of the year, $10,450. When we talk about the idea of compounding, it's by reinvesting the return that you've made on your money. So at the end of year one, if you've earned $450 of interest, you now have $10,450 in the bank account. That $10,450 is going to earn interest. So we're keeping the proceeds, the return on the investment, the interest component in the bank account, and then we're earning interest on the interest that we've, heard, we've, we've picked up. And effectively, that's then where compounding starts. And that's how you get a real kick along. Again, these sound like foreign concepts in many instances when people are starting out. Compounding is such a critically com important component. And when we talk about things like budgeting and other things that we cover in our foundation series, leaving your money to grow for as long as possible enables that, that, that amount of capital to swell. And you've got a bigger flywheel that's earning a bigger amount of return because you've just left the proceeds in there to grow and grow and grow rather than keep drawing it out. And, and your capital's not growing, you're just enjoying the income. You wanna keep that, that return on your money, that income in there for as long as possible to then get that compounding effect happening. And before long, you know, you live it running long enough, all of a sudden you're able to, you know, over a period of time, live off the interest as opposed to the principal. And for our listeners out there thinking, well, if I earned four and a half percent on my 10 grand, I've got 10,450. Mm. I then earned four and a half percent on 10,450. Mm. It's not much of a difference. Albeit over time, AB, it's almost exponential as such in the growth mm. that you get on that earned interest, right? Start slowly. Uh, and it doesn't grow that quickly. But when it does start to grow, it really starts to motor. And of course, that's based on earning 4.5% on your money, which is you know, a fairly pedestrian return. If you're earning 10% on your money, um, obviously that compounding effect takes a, a, a greater effect more quickly. So a bigger return and allowed to compound is really where you start to, uh, to see things move along for you. So taking into account the time value of money and the notion of compounding returns, let's talk about time being an ally for someone in order to achieve that, as we've alluded to. 
I think you pulled out an interesting stat when we are kicking the can around earlier on. If you're a 20-year-old versus a 35-year-old. A 25 and a 35-year-old. Right, years difference. 10 years difference. What, what's the difference in, in, in the funds as such at okay, the end of the so, day? So let's say you're putting away $50 a month into your savings account at age 25. And when we're all younger, you know, it's good to explore, it's good to have experiences, et cetera, and you'll get down to the mundane, tedious business of saving and, and investing later in life. 50 bucks a month at 25, if you took 10 years, a decade of decadence where you're mooching around trying to find your feet or you just simply procrastinated and didn't take winning the money game that seriously, you'd have to, at age 35, put three to four times as much money away each month to play catch up with someone that was doing it since they were 25. Wow, that's a big, that's a pretty stark difference, isn't it? It is, it? Really, when, you, when, 10 you th- years. When, when, you, when you think about how slowly compounding actually is, and it's like watching paint dry in the first couple of years until you get that flywheel turning after a decade of doing it, it starts to become really quite material. So yeah, three to four times the amount of savings to catch up with someone that's 25. Imagine if you started at 18. Better yet, get yeah. that pocket money underway and start even earlier if you can. Right, so in terms of uh, in terms of that as a philosophy stuck as such, getting started early, I mean, that's that's harder than what it sounds, right? Because as you say, most people in their 18s, early 20s want to spend and travel and do that kind of thing. Mm. How do you truly illustrate the benefits of doing that to a young person? How do you get started or, you know, stay on that track? I think it comes down to knowing what you want out of life. And, you know, we're all still finding our feet as we're younger. You know, you think about what you wanted to be when you're a kid versus... You know, when you finish school versus when you finish uni versus what you end up doing in life, they can be quite different, um, you know, uh, on the way through. So things do change. But having an idea um, that perhaps, you know, you've, you've got a goal of some level of financial success starts by literally getting started, planting that money tree in the garden and watering it when you're a kid and seeing where it can then take you going forward. And and, and I can't stress enough whether, you know, if you're a parent listening to this or, or if you're someone that's younger listening to this right now, the quicker you can get started either for your kids or if you're young yourself, get started as quickly as is humanly possible, um, the better. Um, you know, I look back, I was quite fortunate. I had a part-time job after school, saved money up, and, and, and I had a terrible first investment in the stock market, which I think we've talked about several times through the podcast series. My second investment was a bell ringer. I made 1,100% on that. It was enough to pay for me to go through uni. I finished university with no debt, uh, and I was ready to sort of get stuck into life and for the next challenge, which for me was A, getting a job, and then B, getting a property. Um, and and that came from a really, really early age of saving um, a good chunk of the money that I earned in that part-time job. And so it was allowed to compound over time. And okay, didn't know about the impact of inflation at that particular time when you were a kid, but what you can see weekly, monthly, yearly is that interest building up and you think this is free money i saved this but it's worth that and it's that condition that you know there is an earn on your cash it's not just the physical cash you've got whereas if you've got a spending philosophy something you're never going to get to experience of seeing you you know your money's working for you instead of you working for it and you're just chasing chasing the wind you know working for money or having money work for you it's the conundrum that people are in and you have to get money working for you getting started though is the challenging part as you say budgeting to be able to save Mm. to therefore then invest Great podcast episode. Mm. Look, getting started on anything, and yes, that budgeting one is a ripper. It's, it's a ripper. It's one of the all times. Um, I think getting started in anything is always the hardest. You think about maybe you've decided you're going to start doing laps at the pool, and that first day you go there and it's early in the morning and it's cold and you get in and you wish you were still in bed and all these different things, and you bang your laps out and you go, actually, it wasn't so bad when you've started the conditioning. Uh, getting started is always harder um, than the actual process itself. The process will run itself once you get there, but you have to make that commitment. So again, going back to your goals and your intentions, 
do you want to save and if so, why? Is it just to pay the debt off that you've got or is it to try and get an emergency fund for a month or three months and then maybe saving for a deposit or to eliminate some bad debt? Either way, you have to get into that habit of saving and it starts literally yesterday, if not the day before, you have to get that moving. The quicker you can get started, the better. Time can also be an obstacle as much as it can be an ally. So for anyone who's maybe later on in life, who's thinking, I need to do something because I'm nearing retirement, for example, and they want some funds to retire on. What are the risks or the traps as such that that you can see people fall into AV in that instance? They really can be quite substantial. Um, And it's probably one of the more confronting parts of what I'd now spend my time doing if I'm out speaking at an event, for example, uh, you know, we're in face-to-face world again, and, and you meet someone that's maybe a little older and their financial position is is not good. And that can be for a variety of reasons, a divorce, a bankruptcy, business failing, um, or bad luck, bad luck or ineptitude and, and, and no real focus on money until it's got to the point where, holy smokes, you know, we're not far away from retirement and this is a financial position which isn't ideal at all. Um, we need to make some radical shifts now. And I meet a lot of people in that category and you can feel their pain because maybe they've gone through life and they've made a lot of sacrifice for their kids, got their kids through school or uni or a start in life at, at their own personal expense, uh, the, the, the cross to bear of being a parent, I suppose. Uh, and and so they've got to play catch up. And, and the biggest challenge that I find when I'm speaking to people in that demographic, because they haven't had the luxury of compounding working for them where their money is naturally starting to go, and it doesn't have to just be cash at the bank. I mean, it could be shares where you have a dividend reinvestment plan where you don't take a dividend, you just take more shares in the company and build the asset base up. Exactly the same thing. Um, but, you know, they've left their run, you know, really quite late. And so to get back on track, they've got to take some really massive and radical action. And I'll give you an example. If you got just over in Perth a couple of weeks ago, and if you, you fly from Brisbane to Perth, it's nearly six hours on the plane. And you know, in the early part of the flight, you know, if, if, if the aircraft is off course, it's a very, very minor correction just to nudge half a degree back on where it is. And we've got a number of clients that are pilots. And you know, I think an aircraft is typically on, on course for less than 5% of the flight time. I They're constantly correcting in one way or the other. But it's an early correction and it gets it back on track. And then maybe it's an overcorrection, you bring it back on track and it's this constant zigzag until you get to Perth. If you left it five and a half hours to make the correction, you're going to be in Esperance or Albany, you know, hundreds or thousands of kilometers away from where you actually want to be. And then you've got to make this massive hard right um, to, to try and get back on track, which is a really jarring experience for the passenger. I guess the, the analogy when it comes to money is exactly the same insofar as if you've left your run quite late and all of a sudden you've come to the realization that, hey, we're a long way from where we need to be, let's do something. because you haven't got the luxury of time working for you where you can set something solid up and let compounding do its thing, like someone who's 25. You've got to maybe take a more aggressive pathway, a harsher correction. And the hardest conversation I have with people in that set of circumstances is that to get back on track, you've got to be able to generate a significantly higher return with the time that you've got left. And typically to generate a higher return, not always, but typically to generate a higher return, you've then got to take on more risk at precisely the time in your life where you should be looking to scale risk down and sort of have a nice coast into that next lap around the track. And it's a very, very hard conversation to have with someone to say, look, this is a game plan that will get you on track, but you've got to be comfortable with an awful lot of risk in order to get where you want to be. And you don't get the ability to, as we said right at the start, to buy your time back and start again. It's already gone. 
So this is the window of time you've got. And if you want to get there, you're going to have to do something like this, which is aggressive or a less aggressive pathway, but it's not going to get you to where you feel that you should be. That's an important message for a lot of people out there, I think, AB. It's, it's really confronting. And, and I, I personally, I've, uh, you know, if I think about the hundreds of thousands of people I've had the opportunity to speak in front of over the, over the years I've been doing this, and not so much in big arenas where there's five, six, seven thousand people when it's a small event in a, in a meeting room at a hotel somewhere. And everyone's gone and they're the last people. They've got questions and you want to make sure that they get the information that they need and you sit down and you can truly feel their pain, that their options are more limited just purely and simply by virtue that time is no more an ally, it is a threat and an enemy that's getting smaller and smaller by the minute. And it's quite an emotional conversation with them and oftentimes it can be tearful with them uh, insofar as, oh, if only we knew about this or we should have done this years ago, which are all truisms, but at the time it wasn't important enough to deal with it then or perhaps circumstances were such that you couldn't do it then you know, maybe you had a small family and all your money was taken up by running a family and now you've got the kids off your hands it's your time to try and regroup unfortunately it's a lot harder to do that when that time's not working for you and i think when you see that penny drop for people and they realize that their options are limited because through their own decision making or sometimes circumstance they haven't necessarily taken the best pathway that they could and you see that level of regret on their face where you know maybe could have kept the car a little bit longer, didn't need that holiday then, or whatever it may have been. And that's not always the case. Sometimes, as I say, it's raising a family and it's good moral stuff, but sometimes it's been reckless spending. Sometimes it's been circumstance where you've been out of work. Sometimes it might be a, a separation and everything else that sits between. But that look of, and it's actually a look of fear, regret, first of all, and then fear that if we don't do something, we're not going to be where we want to be, but where we want to be isn't realistic given where we're starting from and the time frame that we've got to work through. It's really hard. And I think a lot of financial planners in particular sort of put their hands up when you get a client that comes in that's a little bit older, you know, later 50s being that sort of number, just to put a quantum on it, and, 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 and their finances aren't in great shape. And most financial planners just go, look, there's nothing we can do. And, and that's really sad too, because in good faith, these people are looking for help sure. to get where they need to be. And those doors are being slammed in their face at just the time they need a steady hand on the shoulder to say, listen, don't go chasing the wind and click on something online and do some really aggressively risky investing, which, oh, this one makes 22% a year. I can do this. Only the risk on it is you know, catastrophic if it goes wrong and what little you had is gone and there's no time to make it up. This is a time where that hand on the shoulder of good quality advice and mentoring and, and a clarity of message to say, listen, you're not in the place you want to be. There are some steps you can do to get closer to where you want to be. If you want to get to where you want to be, you're going to have to sit pretty close to the fire and you don't want to risk getting burnt. So let's work on an alternate plan that's going to help you make progress, but not leave you in a position that's wreck and ruin if it goes wrong. And, and then that look of fear starts to relax again a little bit, but this time there's a level of urgency in the decision making as opposed to the oh, we'll get around to it one day someday and you know and i've asked this in open forum at, at bigger events yeah how many people that are over say picking up pick a number 40 years of age wish they'd have done this 10 or 15 years ago we see we do this question at our boot camp from time to time and like they all put their hand up and say if only i'd known about this earlier and i'm talking about cash on demand one of our investment sure. strategies of course um if only i'd known about this i could have done it earlier yeah, and i said time is money 
and you have to have money to buy time back, but you can't turn that clock back. That's the one thing you can't do. So the most valuable resource we have is time. Doesn't matter how much money you have, you can't buy time back. And the way to build up that decent sized kitty is to get time working for you as opposed to having it as a stick that beats you over the head and feels like it's running out. You've got an abundance of it when you're younger, grab it with both hands and don't sort of, because you've got so much time ahead of you, treat it as if it's an infinite commodity because it can be taken away from you pretty sadly too. But get onto the job early and get time working for you as an ally, not a stick to beat you with. And it's so sad and it's really emotive when you sit down with people and they realise their options are limited. And particularly so when it's been through their own decision making as opposed to something that's come in and sort of blindsided them in life. It looked great advice, AB, and I think for now, any of our younger listeners out there, take this as a cautionary tale, get started now. That's 100%. the message, right? Uh, someone that's 50, 40, 30, and say, hey, you know, if you had your time over again, what would you have done? And invariably they'll say, I wish I'd started this earlier. So get started as, as quickly as you can because you know, there's one guaranteed event in life. There's a couple we know, you know, the tax office and dying, we know that. But one guaranteed event that there is is time passes by. And by the way, which is, I guess, why... My favorite investment strategy is selling time, uh, using options. It's the best strategy because it's a guaranteed event that's going to happen. Time will pass by. And when you think you've got a load of it, it can be robbed away from you. So get started as quickly as you can. Embrace that understanding that there is a time value associated with money. So you have to make money, your money, worth far more in the future than what it is today. And the only way to do that is to invest. You get compound interest or compounding returns, whether it's cash at the bank, uh, whether it's the equity you've got in a property increasing in value, whether it's a dividend reinvestment plan uh, with shares and get that compounding effect happening so that that amount is there. Start it as quickly as is humanly possible. If you haven't started now, maybe that's the decision point to arrive at on listening to this podcast is to start today to get the show on the road and realize that time is your ally if you get started, but it's your nemesis if you put it off and you can't get it back. It's just gone. It's a one-shot deal. The time's gone. It's burned. And then you have to take a really serious remedial action to get back on track, which is at the time of your life, you probably don't have the stomach for it and you certainly don't have the time to recover if it goes wrong. So, you know, follow the game plan, get it started early, get it started right, live off it for a lifetime. Great advice, AB. Thank you so much. Great way to cap it off. Absolute pleasure. Anytime. There you have it, guys. Make sure you give us a review and a rating and we'll look forward to hosting you next week.